Welcome to the Compass Catholic Changemaker Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Kano. On this podcast, we talk about how to live with our money as Catholics. Hi, Changemakers. In this week's episode, I'm speaking with Deb Meyer on the topic of redefining family wealth. Deb is the award-winning author of the book, Redefining Family Wealth, and CEO of Worthy Nest, a fee-only fiduciary wealth management firm that guides parents through important decisions using a values-based financial planning approach. She is also a member of the Catholic Financial Planners Network, who you can find at catholicfinancialplanners.com. I hope you enjoy. Well, thanks, Deb, for being with us today. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. This is awesome. So your book is Redefining Family Wealth. And I love that because it's something we talk about all the time at the ministry, that we need to get beyond dollars and cents when it comes to wealth, that wealth is for a purpose. And when you live on purpose and you live as a disciple, wealth takes on a new meaning. It's neither good nor bad. It's what you do with it. It's a tool. So I'm wondering if you can tell me before we jump into the conversation about your book, kind of what brought you here today? What brought you into financial planning? And um, your firm is one that is based on values. How did you end up as that being a requirement for your career? Yeah, it's a great question. So um, oddly enough, when I was a little girl, we we moved around a lot. I um, had a dad who was in the manufacturing industry and the plants would shut down and then we'd have to go and start over in some new city where he could find a job. And throughout all of that, my mom, she continued working outside the home as an accountant, as a CPA. And I just had this kind of scarcity mindset growing up of like, okay, when's, when's the job loss going to happen this time, right? Like, where are we going to have to move next? But in fourth grade, that's when my parents decided to move us up to Wisconsin. And then we stayed there through the end of my high school. Uh, So that was like our one stable place that we were uh, basically growing up. And then uh, when I went off to college, I was really trying to figure out where God was leading me. Um, I had done some study abroad stuff and really loved like Spanish. And I thought about international business for a while, but then I kept thinking back to the accounting side with my mom and how like I wanted safety and security and I really craved that. And I I loved personal finance and um, any math class I took, it was always, I I was even reading like money magazine (laughs) at 13 years old, I think for fun. (laughs) Uh, so personal finance has always been just part of my life and interest. But, um, once I had to pick the major in college, I went with accounting to follow in my mom's footsteps. And I actually worked in public accounting for two years before going down that kind of more traditional wealth management path. And, uh, in those two years, I just realized dealing with some of the historical information wasn't as gratifying. I really wanted to work with people more on their goals and and planning for the future. So that's when I went into the financial planning and investment advisory work. And I spent about seven years at a multifamily office, which is basically code for families with very affluent, you know, significant uh, financial net worth. And what I found there in the seven years, you know, I built some really great relationships with clients, but 
at the end of the day, I didn't really feel like it was an expression of my values as a Catholic. Um, there were a lot of times where I would see people making, you know, millions of dollars and not being generous with any of that, or, you know, just the, the charities that they were choosing to support weren't necessarily in alignment with my values as a Catholic. So when I left that role, um, I really wanted to create a firm that could support people that were kind of on the same journey of me as like having this younger family. I had two kids when I when I left um, the family office and I really wanted to get um, just families in general feeling financially fit. I didn't have a specific purpose on values or uh, bringing God into the equation initially. But then in 2017, um, my mom actually had a pretty serious health crisis and it, real, it allowed me to realize just how important my faith is to the, the work I'm doing. And that's when I really made an intentional shift in, in bringing about the values-based financial planning and, and investment guidance. I love that because it's it's funny when you look back in hindsight and you can see yeah. how the Holy Spirit's been working the whole time. Right. But as you're going through it, it's, you know, next best decision, next best decision. And here you are today. And right. what role you spoke about values and finances. Mm -hmm. What role do you think values need to play in regards to one personal finances? I think they play a, a huge role. You know, when you think about your personal values, and this is before you even get married, you have a certain set of experiences that, that shape who you become, right? And faith for, you know, anyone listening to this podcast is probably an integral part of that. But what does that faith expression really mean? Is Does it mean uh, more generosity? Does it mean being... Um, evangelistic and you're, you know, just broadly proclaiming that you're Catholic and a devoted Catholic and trying to bring others into Catholicism. What, what does that actually look like? So figuring out what your personal values are. And then as you get a family, you know, as you marry and as you have kids, really figuring out, okay, what's my spouse's set of values? And do we have any overlap there? <laughs> uh, hopefully, yes, right? <laughs> uh, but even my husband and I, we've been married 13, almost 14 years. And we're in this, or no, I'm sorry, we've been married 14. <laughs> I had to <laughs> think about it. Um, almost 15. So uh, anyway, he comes from a very different background, very different set of circumstances. He was also raised Catholic, but um, that wasn't like as integral a part of his life in terms of generosity or or serving others. I was very servant focused growing up. So we did a lot of volunteering. I, I sang in the church choir, just really active. And um, one of the core values that we found together is our emphasis on putting our family in a um, a positive position where we feel like our boys are getting the, the values that we both have, that we hold dearly and, and taking that to heart as they're making their decisions, as they're growing older. Our oldest is now 12. And so I'm starting to see some of these values that we have really play out for him, uh, especially when friends of his might make different decisions or their parents make different decisions. I, it's really important to understand what are your values? What values do you want to pass down to your kids? And then using that as a guidebook for whatever financial decisions come up. I mean, just as a practical example, one of my kids, my oldest son's friends, they spend money pretty 
freely, right? Like their, their dad's earning a really great income and the kids ask for 50 bucks to go do whatever. And usually the dad might hand it over. <laughs> and that's not how, how I look at things at all. Like I, I even uh, had a situation with my middle son the other day, he really wanted this Pokemon game and we, he has a savings account and he said, well, what if I buy half of it myself and you guys pay for the other half? And I'm like, okay, let's think through this and talk about why we do or do not need this game. And we ended up going halvesies with them on the game, but um, you know, that's a, a financial decision, but it definitely was influenced by our values. And I think a lot of families need to have that, especially as they have younger kids and really need to to have these tough conversations with their kids. They are always listening. They are. Every decision we make, every every time we hand over the the cash or the credit card, they're they're getting a, a lesson there in one way or another. And the question is, what lesson are they getting? So exactly. Love that. Exactly. And what led you to rethink how to define wealth in the way that you did? So now we're going to kind of shift conversation into your book, which um, I got the ebook. Awesome. Mm-hmm. It was it's really good. So I'm, I would definitely skim through it. And now I'm kind of going deep into uh, all the knowledge there. So what led you to rethink what wealth is? And then what did you land on? What is the definition of wealth that we should think about? Yeah, I think for a lot of people, the uh, concept of wealth, they just automatically think of money, right? Financial prosperity. And that is one facet of wealth. It's definitely an important facet. But there's also other facets of wealth that we don't commonly think about, like our skill sets that are unique talents that God's gifted us with, how we can bring those to organizations or help others uh, more broadly in our community or neighborhoods. Those are other gifts that we have that contribute to the overall well-being of of our globe, but they're not necessarily going to be a direct correlation to how much money we have in our bank accounts or how much we're saving, right? So if you think about a, a missionary, for example, someone that's giving their life in service, they're going in and places that a lot of us, you know, privileged Americans don't really see on a day to, you know, maybe even ever, I don't know, depending on how often you do mission trips and things. But for those missionaries, they're really devoting their life. They usually are single, usually have no kids. They're over there in these extraordinary situations, catering to the poorest of the poor. And when they come back to this other spot uh, here in the US and they're trying to recruit dollars for their cause, I mean, a lot of that is this bifurcation for them of like, okay, I've seen all of this hardship and all of this angst. And I want other people to like understand how difficult it is for 99% of the world's population that we're not seeing in the US as much. And having to come up with those kinds of dollars, those kinds of financial resources, it, it's, it becomes more of a plea of, <laughs> hey, we, we just need to, to help um, support people financially and, and give them their basic needs. So I do think there's a lot of, um, when you think about wealth in terms of like a pie chart, there's the financial wealth component, but then there's also these other core elements of wealth that won't necessarily grow your bank account, but you're doing them for the good that they can do you know, cause in, in society and at institutional levels. 
And what do Catholics need to know about wealth? How it can enhance or detract from our faith lives? Well, I think um, as Catholics, we're confronted with this idea of, you know, I, I've actually been pretty active in this Catholic Women in Facebook group or Catholic Women in Business group and seeing some of the questions posed around money mindset. I think there's a lot of shame in the church sometimes when people think about, oh, well, so-and-so is making a lot of money. They can't be a good Catholic. Or at the opposite spectrum, they might say, hey, you know, that person's doing really well financially, so they have more financial resources to give to these special causes that are near and dear to the Catholic faith. And I think we can't really live on either extreme. We have to actually find a middle ground where, uh, yes, we are trying to earn money to support our family and support others, but we don't want to let money be our God. We don't want to let <laughs> the drive for more money or more savings uh, sacrifice whatever relationship we have with Jesus. And that's where I think the Catholic community especially needs to to just learn that there is a, a continuum. There's a line there. And you don't want to be at either end. You want to live in that kind of virtuous middle. But finding that does take some um, time and energy in terms of determining kind of where you're at on that spectrum currently and where you're looking to go. So true. And, I, you know, this is something that kind of brought me into this field was the um, I've been a military spouse all over the U.S. and lots of different parishes and exposure to lots of different priests and diocese and everything. Um, this is not a message that we do a really good job of taking ownership of within <laughs> within parishes. And I have been to a lot of parishes. I've yet to see it really done well. And the only time I see money brought up, and this could just be my selective hearing, this could be on me. But the only time I've seen it brought up is during you know annual appeals or capital campaigns and you see people you know you see them viscerally like pulling into the pew like <laughs> shrinking back from <laughs> the message so i do think this is one that as catholics we need to be grassroots about taking ownership of this message money and wealth is not one that can pull us away from our faith it's a tool like mm -hmm. any other tool and this is one that we can use to grow in our faith and how are we as catholics taking ownership of that so that's love that you had this in your book was um, this sense of an abundance mindset is mm -hmm. not necessarily always about money. It's about a spiritual abundance and money is a tool mm -hmm. that can be used for that. So you had mentioned before that you um, had a scarcity mindset as a child and that this was something that you grew up with. How did you make that shift from a scarcity mindset to one of abundance, not just with money, but with abundance in, in general? Great question. Uh <laughs> So I would say most of my, you know, young childhood, even in my 20s, was all scarcity. I was always just searching for the safe, steady thing to do. Uh, I worked really hard in school to get good grades so I could get, you know, into a good college and scholarships and all of that. And then once I got into the working world, I realized like, okay, I'm here. <laughs> I'm doing my hardest. But at the end of the day, if I'm working all the time and not actually able to enjoy life, right, with my, at the time, new husband and now my husband of 14 years, but like I was 
so such I became such a slave to work and that idea of climbing up the corporate ladder, things like that. And I realized that money was taking more of a precedent in my life because I just felt like, okay, there's not enough. I need to accumulate more and save more and, and that kind of thing. And I've always been more of the saver than the spender. So that's been another part of me where I'm just like, okay, I need to pour into work so I can get this, this bigger bank account balance or whatever. And um, to be totally honest, in 20, I guess, uh, 2011, early 2012, I went through a pretty serious medical crisis of my own. And it was, um, it was just eye opening to me how much I appreciated and valued number one, my faith relationship, because I had to turn to God in this. I, it was like something physically wrong that I couldn't <laughs> make any changes myself. It was just awful. And, um, once I relied on him for healing and just complete surrender to him, that's when things started taking shape in a way that I had never seen before. And that was, yeah, in 2011. So um, about 10 years ago. And when I went through that and kind of emerged on the other side, I realized how important my family was to me and how being there present for my young kids was so important. And it just took a lot of that, like, I don't really need to worry about this worldly stuff anymore. I just need to focus on God and my family. And that's what I did. I, I quit the, the firm in 2013 um, after I had just had my second son. And um, I really was trying to be like a stay-at-home mom for a while, <laughs> to be honest. Like, I, and that was the scariest thing in the world to me because I had always, you know, been working. I started working when I was like 14 years old. So I was always used to working in some kind of job. And um, I only did that for a couple of months and then realized I was like, okay, I need some outside stimulation. So that's when I started the accounting practice. But um, it, yeah, it's just interesting how... God can work in different ways. And in those moments of crisis, when you do emerge stronger on the other side, you just see it from a different perspective. And that's when the abundance really kicked in for, for me and, and my husband. Mm. And you have this chapter in your book and the title is of the chapter, your past isn't a script for your future. I wonder if you can talk to that because I love that. I think, if, are you familiar with money scripts and, and the work of the doctors Klontz? Um, I've heard about it. I haven't okay. actually looked into it, but yeah. okay. Yeah. So yeah, but all their, all their work is based on money scripts and what we bring into um, our, our, every interaction we have with money. So I'm, I'm wondering what you thought about that and how we can change our perspective to have that abundance mindset. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of what weighs people down now is holding on to that past, right? Feeling like, okay, if I've been in that mindset for too many years, it's just too hard to break free. And, and sometimes it does take a big life event, like what I had back in 2011, for you to realize like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm letting life pass me by and I'm not even being intentional in the way that I need to be uh, as you know a, a committed follower of Christ. And for... Um, Anyone that's kind of struggling with that identity of, okay, I, I, whether it's you got into lots of credit card debt or grew up in a very um, tight financial situation where, you know, it was 
food stamps and government subsidies to, to make things work. There's plenty of stories of people overcoming those situations and really finding um, this place of abundance, even if it's just more of a mental place of abundance where they're just not burdened with those those concerns anymore. And I would really encourage you if you're in that spot, just to, again, take it to God in prayer and say, if you want me to be released from this burden, please release it. There's a big movement within the financial world. I mean, anyone Googles financial independence and now there's like 80 different podcasts on this topic, probably more, Mm -hmm. all these different, you know, materials that are available. Um, And the five movement, um, financial independence, uh, often followed with an RE, retire early. Um, This movement is based on the fact that we're no longer locked into the traditional perspective of retirement, that you need to wait until Social Security says you're able to retire. Mm -hmm. Can you speak about that and what people should know about redefining retirement based on what the Lord is calling you to do? Yeah, I think it's an excellent question, especially among believers. It's important to think through, you know, as technology has advanced, longevity has also increased. So you have a lot of people living well into their 80s and 90s, and that was unheard of 30 years ago, right? So you have this idea of, okay, the traditional retirement was designed for someone that might pass away in their 70s or early 80s that longevity is is removed now. And what I think people also need to realize in this financial independence retire early movement is there's a huge difference between someone who fully retires at age 45 and just says, hey, I'm not going to earn another dime. And then there's a other person that might say, I'm retiring at 45, but I'm going and pursuing this other career that's really important to me, but much lower paying, or I'm going to do more volunteer effort for the next two years and then go into some kind of part-time consulting role doing whatever I, you know, your first career was. So there's a lot of um, nuances that I think we have available at our fingertips now that just weren't options in the, you know, more traditional era that our parents might have been growing up in. And the idea of working for the same company for 40 years is is kind of fallen by the wayside. You know, <laughs> you don't really have pensions as much. You don't have a lot of these benefits that people came to rely on, like if they just put in their time and put in the hard work head down, they were going to have some financial security down the road. A lot of it now is creating some of your own financial security through the roles that you're taking, but also understanding the importance of vocation in those. So I, you know, I know of plenty of people who work in high paying jobs, but they're miserable because they're working a lot and they are stressed out all the time. And and that's not really a a great, you know, long-term solution. They might do that for a couple of years, but eventually they're going to burn out and need to find something else. And then you have other people that might be only earning $40,000 a year or $50,000, whatever, whatever the case may be. And they're doing a good job though, of saving prudently, living within their means, paying their bills on time, just continuing on that disciplined approach. And they might get to financial independence quicker (laughs) than the other person that's earning, you know, six figures and frittering it away. So a lot of it really is about uh, 
figuring out how to live within your means, regardless of what your income is, and knowing that if you do get to a point of financial independence at an earlier age, that you're not just saying, hey, this is going to last me for the rest of my life, but figuring out where God's calling you next and using that as a, a natural extension to bless others, right? Because yes, you can be earning an income at the same time that you're helping other people. And um, yeah, I, I just think it's really important to reframe retirement away from age 65 and, and think about it more as a continuum of types of projects and, and family needs uh, that, that come up you know, throughout your life. For sure. And all right, so someone who's living within their means, they're avoiding debt, they are ready to start investing and they're ready to work with someone who is in agreement with their values. Mm -hmm. How do they find that financial professional? Well, I am um, actually, it's a great uh, item here. And recently I became part of the Catholic Financial Planners Network. It's a wonderful group of other uh, financial advisors like myself, and we're all Catholic. We're all really focused on uh, enhancing the financial planning process, but in a way that aligns with Catholic values. Uh, so I'd encourage you to, to go to their website. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you, Deb. Thank you for being here today. Thanks. I really appreciate it too. Thanks, Changemakers, for joining us for today's episode. I want to remind you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe to Compass Catholic on YouTube. I also ask you to hit that subscribe button on your podcast app. To learn more about Compass Catholic, please visit compasscatholic.org.